This week's episode made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Hello, Memphis. This is your weekly episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. I am Anna Ellis, and I'm here with my temporary co-host, but always friend and colleague, another Anna, Anna Thompson. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. Happy March. Happy March. Uh, it's, uh, you know, what is it, coming like a lion out like a lamb? Um, <laughs> I'm ready for that lamb. I really am. Yeah. Uh, we are going to get right to it because we have two organizations today, but three people. It's a it's a bonus episode. First up, we have our friends over at Storyboard Memphis, Mark Fleischer and Nikki Dean. Um, and then our second guest is my one of really, I mean, I say this with absolute authenticity. One of my favorite Memphians, like Kaki Walton from WK in a radio is um, just has brought her warmth and charm to our um, often cold and charmless podcast studio here. And so it's lovely to see Kaki Walden. She's going to talk a little bit about the 50th anniversary of WKNO that's coming up next month. Let's, Let's get, get into to it. it. Good morning, Mark and Nikki. I would love for y'all to take a second to introduce yourselves and tell a little bit about what your role entails at Storyboard. Good morning. My name is Nikki Lakey Dean. Um, at Storyboard, I am the manager of community relations. So I do a little bit of PR, a little bit of marketing, a little bit of event management, a little bit of fundraising, anything that sort of helps us get our name out and um, helps us meet more people in Memphis. Absolutely. Welcome. Good morning. Yes. Good morning. You're also a new Memphis fellow. That's correct. I am a new Memphis alumni of the fellow program. Yes. <laughs> And I'm Mark Fleischer. I am the founder and executive director of Storyboard Memphis, and I do executive director stuff. <laughs> and you do all the things as, all the at things. Storyboard. <laughs> For those who may be a little bit unfamiliar with what Storyboard is, we don't want to assume anybody. Anybody mm -hmm. knows anything, because you know what assuming does. So tell us what Storyboard is and why it was important for you to found it. Um, it is, first of all, a multimedia publication. Um, we have a paper print magazine, which we've um, uh, reissued, finally. Um, but as multimedia, we're also, of course, online. We have a podcast. Um, we've been in development for a TV show um, as well. Um, but our specialty really is a focus on arts, local arts, community, culture, history. Um, and we take deep dives into our topics. So... Our stories are more feature length, um, and we kind of like a, a good example of the types of stories we like to focus on is our Behind the Arts series that we, we received a grant for, um, which literally gets kind of behind the scenes. So rather than just tell the story, we like to really get behind the scenes of the story and, and behind it, um, the roots of it, the evolution of it, um, and also we feel like by telling these more in-depth stories, we can have hopefully a greater impact. Tell us, I, I like the um, origin story of this publication. Um, it's relatively new. It's five, six years. Is that not even? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Time flies. I know. Um, but you know, in a in a landscape where um, especially print publications are going away or shrinking, mm -hmm. you opted to start a new venture, um, and it came about organically. And I, I I know pieces of the story, so I'm hinting at it. But please mm -hmm. give us the full like, <laughs> how was this thing born, and what were you doing before? Well, um, 
before I was actually unemployed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to start something new. <laughs> <That's> right, <that's laughs> right. Well, no, I, I arrived in Memphis um, uh, unemployed uh, for the first time in my entire career. Um, and um, really uh, searching out and also new to, new to Memphis. Speaking of new Memphis, I was new to Memphis. Um, doing a ton of networking. And um, I, I kind of realized that there was... Uh, 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 something missing uh, in our storytelling, especially at the time, which was around 2016, 2017, the commercial appeal was taking a nosedive. And the feedback I kept getting from folks was we were missing a lot of more in-depth neighborhood stories. So I started a blog. My wife kind of nudged me into starting a blog, which was a new venture for me. And the the blog turned into this collaborative platform uh, that really was focused on neighborhoods and, and histories. And um, at one point, um, I had a couple of folks in the publishing world convince me that print was an okay idea. And, like, I didn't, and I hadn't, hadn't really considered that in today's environment. Today being what feels like ancient history, <laughs> 2017, 2018. Um, but I looked at the business model and I looked at the revenue model and I thought, okay, this, this actually could work. Um, so um, I put uh, kind of the cart before the horse and I did all this work and I did a lot of it by myself and um, with the help of, of a few contractors and um, put out this print thing, this monthly free print thing with uh, advertising and subscriber revenue. And... Um, then the pandemic hit and it all kind of all, I wouldn't say fall, fell apart, but it, it was very difficult once the pandemic hit to sustain that model. Yeah. And then we turned a nonprofit and here we are. Yeah. yeah. That, 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 we've had a couple of folks over the last, um, I don't know, a few months um, who represent, um, you know, what I would call uh, traditional media that has taken a, like a non-traditional approach. So um, our friends over the Tri-State Defender, for example, which has been around for many, I think it was 70 years they were celebrating yes. why they were in here. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's so interesting that in a city, Memphis's size, um, that there are really a, a, a pretty rich community of sort of alternative, pardon the term, you know, not an all-weekly, but mm -hmm. just the sense of, of, a, of a different approach. So you mentioned struggling through the pandemic, pivoting to be a nonprofit. What did that look like? You mentioned, Nikki, fundraising. Mm -hmm. um, so how, how do you sustain this work, and, and how did you come to that model? Well, for, uh, one, one thing I want to mention, what you just said in there, um, about in, this, in, in the Mid-South in Memphis, we're very fortunate to have as many ventures as we do have. And you know, look at the Daily Memphian, for example. Um, and I think that's a, a real uh, testimonial, if, if you will, to our culture. And... We love stories in mm -hmm. Memphis, and we have plenty of stories. Um, but um, and so I think that's a big part of the the model. Actually, is there's an audience for this? There's a huge audience. Um, but um, the nonprofit part of it, yes, that started out as a nonprofit as a you know a, uh, a sole proprietor LLC and. And um, enough folks in the community convinced me that, um, you know, nonprofit is probably where you want to go, really, especially based on the content. Um, and you're very familiar, obviously, with High Ground News. Yeah. And, you know, I've 
kept in contact with mm-hmm. with everyone there. And um, but um, yeah, going to nonprofit made the most sense with the kinds of stories that we're, we tackle. And since we're focused on arts and community and history, you know, there's there's a lot more. Obviously, there's more grant opportunities, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as a nonprofit. And and that just it, it makes makes sense for us. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm so thrilled. As you said, I think um, you're right that there's something about Memphis, about Memphians, that they they want this long form storytelling. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating that you as a non-native Memphian, someone who's relatively new to town, as soon as you were boots on the ground here, you were like investigating the history of this place. And that seems um, again antithetical to being a like, yeah, I'm new here, but I really want to understand these very rich histories in these very storied neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us, I'm, I'm, I love the stories. So I'm <laughs> talking about loving storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell us a little bit more about the nuts and bolts of the publication for somebody who hasn't read. What can they expect? How can they find it? How can they support the work? Do you want to take that, Nikki? Sure. <laughs> um, storyboard, the print quarterly can be found at retailers across Memphis, including Novel, Burke's Books, uh, the, book, the Book Juggler. What 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 does a typical issue look like? What what are, are there departments or there? We brought a copy. Are you gonna say yes. How do you take that question. Um, we have we have sections for the arts. We have sections for the community. We have um, sections that we've really taken deeper dives into into history lately. A um, little bit of editorial content. A um, uh, little f- a focus on urbanism also, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that the the publication started with. Um, but we're also, you know, as a multimedia publication, we're available online as well, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, a typical issue, actually a typical issue is structured a little bit like a Sunday paper. That's that, that was the model I've worked from, you know, and a Sunday paper, you know, walking in, I'm going to be spending a few hours with this. Um, and I can anticipate, you know, more lengthier stories. Um, so the magazine is kind of a hybrid, if you will. Um, I really wanted with the magazine to give readers the feel of the Sunday paper-ish feel that I started with. Um, so there was something familiar, you know, kind of instantly nostalgic. Yeah. I was going to say like the good old days of journalism. Yeah. (laughs) The Sunday paper. Yeah. And, um, so it, it feels a bit like that so that if you're, you know, glancing through a Sunday paper, you, you know, you know, you're going to re- be reading about the arts and you're going to have an article about a book and you're going to have a little bit of a history lesson and so on and so on. Yeah. And something unique to storyboard and unique to the publication, I think, is that the contributors really represent a wide variety in the community because we have the ability to make open calls and really recruit the voices and the stories of Memphians so that it represents a lot more variety than if it was just a standard set of contributors every month or quarterly. Oh, yeah, I think that's super interesting. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. Something I found when I was doing a little bit of research to chat with y'all um, is that in addressing the gaps in reporting and storytelling in the community, um, I know you said that y'all are multimedia, but you do have print, which is, again, a unique model in today's world. But um, how do you think that having a free print media is affecting the like digital divide here in our city? And why is that important about to address communities that you wanted to see highlighted? 
Um, well, one thing we should point out is that this this new incarnation is not free. <laughs> so I didn't research no, no, enough. No, no. Is, is is what you're telling me? But the monthly was and, okay, yeah. and that was that was really important um, to have a free copy, especially in the in the monthly. You know, I definitely use the 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 Memphis Flyer model in that sense. Is um, with newspaper print, it's it's cheaper to print, and you can get a lot more copies out there. So we were doing between ten and fifteen thousand wow. a month, which is really pretty. That's, it's pretty yeah. decent. We were in eighty locations. I mean, I think back now to to I, I can't believe we were in eighty locations. Yeah. But but were you just driving around town dropping <laughs> off copies? <laughs> <laughs> well, we we had we used the uh, Contemporary Media Distribution okay. Center. Shout for, out to Contemporary Media. <laughs> shout out to yes, yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, and but you know, it, but thinking back, another big hit before the pandemic was the fact that Kroger halted all mm, free. Right. I yes. About that. Yeah. That was huge. So speak, you know, so circling back to your question about the digital divide um, and then the, the news deserts, of course, too. Yeah. Um, Kroger did not do us any favors at all. And I'm talking about, you know, print publications, free publications in general. It is very challenging uh, to reach readers and an audience that really needs to see some of this content. You know, our content is not as as news-driven as it was before in the monthly. But still, uh, I mean, just access to news, whether it's art news or, you mm-hmm. know, business news. Yeah. So we we talk about this a lot, about the, the website um, remaining free. Okay. Um, and the only pop-up we really have on the website is to subscribe, and that's to subscribe to the newsletter, which is also free. So we feel like with our, we're going to generate enough revenue with the the support we have uh, from some a couple couple donors, um, grants, um, also paying for subscriptions for the actual print magazine. There's enough revenue sources there for us to sustain. A free website Um, so that that's really yeah that's really important to us Um, and and a huge asset to our city yeah we we think so yeah we we definitely we'll definitely agree with that (laughs) (laughs) Um, but but yeah you know and and the website too um, since it's free and since it is a website that doesn't rely on print deadlines um, you know we can produce and publish stories from contributors and from press releases and um, from our arts partners and community partners and whatnot. Um, and again, make those free to the public. I like what uh, you, you mentioned, Nikki, the um, engaging and enabling community members to tell their own stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine that's where a lot of the, I mean, I could be wrong. I, I'm imagining that this is where some of these story ideas come from. So it's not necessarily Mark making an assignment and saying, I want you to write a story on this. It's somebody saying, right. here's this history for my community, or here's this, um, I don't know, arts organization in my community. Let me tell you about it. Is that kind of how that works? Yeah, I'd say that's definitely a little bit of both. Um, we're, we're constantly um, seeking input from mm-hmm. the community, listening to other historians stories or other Memphian stories but also um, Mark is always and so is Caroline our other other employer 
or other employee, Caroline Carico. She um, is a historian by trade, and she really? knows a lot about Memphis history and culture, and she is always curious to learn more. So she's seeking out places to find oral histories, um, other in-depth storytelling of the history. So there's definitely a little bit of both. Very cool. Speaking of oral histories, you mentioned, I know there is a podcast element to this multimedia. Mm-hmm. Um, what is what is the content of that? Is it is it just supplemental to the, the print publication? Is it expansive? Uh, yeah, it's, um, well, first of all, we definitely um, try to, uh, sometimes we use the word cannibalize, but that doesn't sound very nice. Um, <laughs> but the, as much content as we can. So if, if you know, the podcast is... Um, the podcast was actually a nice little gift from WYPL, the library channel, hmm. back when I started Storyboard. Yeah. Um, and um, and that's a started out as a straight interview program. Um, but while I'm interviewing the individual, you know, you've got some content there, and I'll drop we'll drop the audio into a transcription tool and turn that into a printed interview. Hmm. You know. Um, but yeah, the multimedia component of the podcast, you know, we're, we're trying to be more intentional with our with our podcasts. Um, uh, before we got as busy as we <laughs> as we've been, <laughs> um, we were doing I was doing interviews just about weekly. Um, and that's you know, that's difficult to sustain, um, as you as you well know, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, it's you've you've got to be very intentional with the scheduling and all that. So. Um, but anyway, yeah, but the, the podcast piece of it is, is an important component, um, just in terms of engaging with, you know, with the community. Um, and also of course it's, it's, a it's going to be a great revenue an additional source of revenue for us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, go ahead. Oh no, I was just, I, well, I, I'm happy the, to say that I, I, I prefer, I don't, I feel like at this point in my life, I'm like, do I remember how to read? I've like fully converted to like listening to books on Audible. Anyway, um, I I think it's a lovely podcast. I think you guys do a really nice job. And again, I think um, it's, yes, they're guests, but really being able to capture stories in people's own voices, um, I think is a a unique value add for this publication because it is, you know, it's a a unique beast. And if, if those listening have not Red storyboard. I mean, I, I've been reading it since it was a blog, and I really do find it to be, um, you know, I've lived here for 20 years, mm-hmm. and there are stories that I didn't, you know, those like really fun, like ah, but also really important, oh, like yeah. oh, like <laughs> it creates so much context for the community, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's really important, and I love that there are people who you know are not necessarily journalists and maybe have written or maybe they haven't, but are are given this platform either you know in print or. Mm-hmm. as an audio that the you know the um the 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 diverse voices in the community that was a lesson i learned early when i started it and when i opened up the blog basically um to contributors and really folks willing to submit content and contribute for free which we know in memphis there's a lot of that you know a lot of i'll do this for free okay <laughs> um but since we've more intentionally put the word out there that we're, you know, we can pay some freelancers, um, we are fortunate enough to have mm-hmm. a really wide variety of diverse voices approaching us about a variety of stories. Um, 
this next issue, I, I, don't, I think I've honestly lost count as to how many contributors we're going to have for this next one. Um, but that's become something, again, very intentional. And then when we went to nonprofit, that became, you know, part of our intent was to really capture and provide platforms for not only diverse voices, but also um, storytellers who maybe didn't feel, you know, um, quite up to being able to submit something to the to Memphis Magazine mm-hmm. or something, you know, um, and reaching them at the point where they're ready to blossom and start writing and start, you know, telling stories and come to us and we'll, we'll help you through the process, you know, yeah. Um, so you mentioned earlier a little bit about this, but, and how there's like a need for this and an appetite for this model, I guess is the correct word. But on the flip side of that too, an appetite for, like you said, contributors to have a place and a platform to be able to shine. And like you said, blossom. So why do you think Memphis is a unique place for both sides of that coin to have people want to read and have people want to contribute also? I feel like that is the big question (laughs) that drives me every day. What is it about Memphis? Hmm. You know, um, I feel like if there's any one thing that I could say about, you know, what um, is kind of like a thesis behind all this is that's that's the big question is what is it about what is it? What? Is, why is Memphis so rich in its culture and its stories? Part of it is a traumatic, you know, unpleasant, you know, uh, uh, history um, with you know enslaved people and and so on. And also, you know, going back even further than that. But anyway, it, it, but it, but that is the big question: is why is it so rich? I I don't and I and I haven't arrived at the answer, and I I feel like I. I want to keep chasing that answer because I don't know that anyone's ha- anyone has a specific answer for it. I know there's a lot of there's that's what's that's what makes that's why you pick up a book by Robert Gordon or you know or or going back even further you you know there's such a rich history and I keep chasing that answer. Hmm. There's no secret sauce yet revealed. <laughs> no, and I and if anyone then the this this the secret sauce is in i think is in the individuals you know um we were we were um i was interviewing a host of um uh, uh some of our independent uh, music venues and the owners and managers a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago i guess um and we were talking about this concept of a, a venue alliance and a lot of them kind of sneered at it. it's like <laughs> An independent venue alliance said we're independent for a reason, hmm. you know, oh. and that spirit really still carries on. I mean, Interesting. in Memphis, yeah. you, you can you can independently do something and make an impact, you know, just by doing it. You know, That's true. and storyboards an example of that. <laughs> it, it, it is. I don't think that storyboard. This is not something that I could have started in any city, Mm. you know, but it's something that if you look at our entrepreneurial spirit in Memphis, dating back, you know, 200 years, um, it's part of the culture. No, that's actually, um, as well as I've heard it articulated, and this is, I don't know, I feel like we're, we're constantly on a quest to answer that question too, like what is it that makes Memphis unique and distinct and, and, and magical in its own way, you know, I, 
I believe deeply that you I don't pretend that Memphis is the best city that's ever been and I don't pretend that this is the only city where you could live and have a great life um I believe that you know you you should be investing in the community that you live in regardless of where that is but there is mm -hmm. a je ne sais quoi about Memphis that nobody has quite put together but it is I think a confluence of, of many things, but culture is really at, at the core of it. And it's it's the people and it's the decisions that they've made over time to, to be here and remain here. And I don't know. And I think, again, that's, I really love the balance of uh, history within Storyboard, as well as mm -hmm. contemporary, here's here's somebody over here doing something great. And there it is where those two things meet that I think Memphis is at its most interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, uh part of this chase to to figure out that you know that answer is part of why we sometimes see memphis not being able to market itself mm. we always complain that well oh, memphis doesn't point. market itself yeah. very well well maybe it's because we haven't figured out that answer you know I what, feel like, what are we what makes yeah. it so special Egg and Dio, i feel like touched on that a little bit when we mm. had him on the podcast he was like because we keep once we get to where we want to be we keep kicking the goalpost sure. and we keep being oh, like yeah. we want to be better we like we have this how can we do it better how can we lean in a little bit more how can we level up on our culture on whatever it looks like and he was like so maybe that's why we never arrive yeah at mm -hmm. this nice pretty package of a like bow marketing answer for mm -hmm. like what makes memphis so unique is that we keep evolving with that answer <laughs> i was yeah. just gonna say reinventing yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah in a way there's always that reinventing going mm -hmm. on okay so now is the time for a listener favorite called our lightning round so oh, this geez. is um, stinking. <laughs> no it's not trivia don't worry <laughs> this is just the first thing that pops to your mind so i have a couple for you and i have a couple for nikki okay so the first question is for you yeah mark mm -hmm. um the favorite memphis story you've ever written first thing that pops in your mind Oh, geez. Um, it's not even a story I've written. It's a story about the 1978 fire department strike. Um, I found it to be fascinating in a in, in a dark way. All right. All right. All yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this one's also for you. Uh, print or podcast? There's no wrong answer. Oh, God. I can't, I can't <laughs> choose. Both. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll give you an easy out on that one. Okay. So you're both Midtowners, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay, so y'all can at the same time answer. Um, Otherlands or Cafe Eclectic? Otherlands. Otherlands. <laughs> Nick, sorry, sorry. Nikki was ready on that. Nick, sorry, was Kathy. Ready. Sorry, Kathy. Um, best bite in Memphis. Ooh. Ooh, I mean, I get a craving for Central Barbecue, pretty rare, pretty. I mean, pretty often. So I would say Central Barbecue is probably my favorite. What is your bite there? What is your order? Your best. You're like, ugh, I really um, the need sausage, this. Sausage and cheese platter. Yes. Mm. Okay, that's a good one. <laughs> and then um, one word to entice other non-Memphians to consider moving to Memphis. What's one word that you would say? Entrepreneurial. Okay, Nikki. <laughs> Mark's like, I don't know. Can't choose one word. I know, because we literally just talked about how you can't put it into <laughs> a right. sentence. And now yeah. I'm like, distill it to one word. Go. Rich. Okay. But okay. Not, I like it. Not in the way that yeah. you think. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And thank you. can you tell our listeners where they can find out more about Storyboard? StoryboardMemphis.org. Awesome. Simple as that. Simple as that. Simple as that. 
Well, wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you. So great to see y'all. Thank Good you. Good luck this year. Memphis 101 on March 10th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the Memphis Museum of Science and History, which is formerly known as the Pink Palace. What is it? You can get the 411 on the 901 at Memphis 101. This event is brought to you by New Memphis and generously sponsored by Regional One Health. It is a high-energy course offering up an up-close view into Memphis, its people, and the historical impact this city has had in music, culture, politics, and more. Come dive in with us as we explore Memphis' history because to understand where we are going, we first have to know where we've been. You can learn more about the event and register for your absolutely free ticket at newmemphis.org events. Welcome, Khaki. I'm on the other side of the mic. I know. I've, I've been waiting a minute to be able to do this, and I'm, I'm very excited that the timing worked out to do it today. Me because too. Because you have been such a lovely partner for New Memphis over Aww. the years with um, exposure on 901 Day and all sorts of other fun things. I love doing stuff with y'all. And um, I'm also going to find a picture for our listening audience of Khaki um, impersonating the wonderful Jerry Lee Lewis <laughs> <laughs> at our uh, exposure in 2019 That's right. to entice you... Um, um, to to listen to her show at often early and often and she's just a lovely lovely lady and Aww. we are so glad to have her we're flipping the mic on her today <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at WKNO well um, so I'm from Clarksdale Mississippi and um, I, I, the reason I have a job at WKNO to begin with anyway is my mother because she, I was sort of floundering, and I got a degree in theater, so of course you're going to flounder. There are going to be many floundering <laughs> periods in your life. Like, I learned how to wait tables and bartend, which mm-hmm. horrified my mother, but I'm like, I got a degree in theater. I mean, this is a skill that will come in handy later. But I had always done radio on the side, you know. Well, actually, I started doing commercials for my father's car dealership when I was like nine, eight-something years old. I, did, I read that. I did read that, which is adorable, and I would love to find one yeah. of those is it, what I would love. Oh, boy. It's... <laughs> You know, it's the 21st century. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I'll be horrified, but if you want to go looking for it. I might. I just might. Don't tempt me. Uh, well, ooh, <laughs> Lord. But that was really fun. But so one day they said, you want to learn how to do this for, uh, you know, work here. And I went, sure. So they taught me how to do radio. So I've always kind of done that for a backup. And my mother saw an ad in the paper for an opening at WKNO. And she went, if you don't go apply for that job, I'm going to jerk a knot in you. And when she said jerk a knot in you, I mean, you were like, I'm going. I'm like sending my resume right now. And so they, I, I got a job doing weird shifts, you know, just like midnight to six, six to midnight, noon to midnight. It was crazy at the beginning, but then the position opened up for the classical music announcer and they slid me in there and I've been doing that ever since. I never had done interviews with people before. I had to just jump in and, you know, it was like from the frying pan to the fire. And But I had my friends and my brother going, you can talk to anybody about anything. And so... I said, well, I'm going to, I'll just jump in and give it a try. And so I've been doing that, you know, for a good long time, too. So I meet interesting people just like you guys. You know, you meet interesting people every day. You learn something new every day. I get to play beautiful music all afternoon. What is not to love? It's, I, it is a great gig. It is a great I'm curious, gig. before you, your mom made you <laughs> take this job, you know, were you a classical music fan aficionado or was that a like a a new discovery as you got to host that show well I started play I started taking piano lessons when I was five but I started playing piano when I was two how did I not know that you are 
a gifted piano. Well, not anymore. <laughs> I, my I, mother would not let me have my piano until she knew I was settled down. You know, and I, would, I wasn't going to be moving around anymore. So I'm very rusty right now. <laughs> I used to be decent, but I'm really rusty right now. Like, I'm t- even too embarrassed to practice. I don't want to put my neighbors through it oh. in case they hear w- through an open no. window. But I really need to get back to it. You know, cut my fingernails and get back to it. <laughs> you said two you started playing? I did. My mother was fixing dinner, and my sister was practicing the piano. And so she got up, and I went and climbed on the piano bench, and I started playing La Cucaracha because that's what my sister had just been playing. And my mother came out because she thought it was my sister Betty, and she saw me, and it freaked her out. <laughs> and so she told my father, I, th- she, I mean, I saw her You're do obviously this. a prodigy. And, well, I, <laughs> it was weird. I don't know. It, it's just one of those re- weird, I don't, weird things. So she wanted to do lessons, and she thought, no, two's too young, so we'll wait until she's five. And so I took lessons from the time I was five till I was 18. I was wondering, because I have a three-year-old, and I'm like, I'm just perplexed. I was like, why isn't she playing Beethoven I mean, right now? I'm already behind, it seems. <laughs> like, yeah, she should be. She should be, but I'm also like, she probably wouldn't even sit on the bench long enough to like. <laughs> so I'm floored by that. That's amazing. Well, you know, you wanted to do what your big sister was doing. That's mm. true. But so. still, I mean, there's a difference between, like, wanting to do homework because your older sister has to do it and, like, actually playing a song that is a song and not just, like, banging around on the piano. It was a freak thing. <laughs> so, yeah, classical music, I've been around it. My daddy and I would listen to the opera every Saturday, and they would take me to classical music concerts and stuff. So I always had a love for it. Nice. Yeah. Well, for... We are here on WYXR, another um, nonprofit radio endeavor. So WKDO has been in the community for, I hear, almost 50 years. We are celebrating our 50th anniversary in April. That is, so for those who are are maybe not as familiar, tell tell us the story of WKDO. It is our NPR affiliate in Memphis. Um, it, It is our I know far less about the television side of things, but so I'm not even going to pretend like I know. <laughs> Why don't you tell us, as the expert who's been working at WKNO for a long time, um, what, how is the, what is the mission of the organization? How are you related to these other bigger entities? And, and how do you decide on what programming you're providing for the community? Oh, that's a good question. So that's a lot of questions. I'll <laughs> well, um, I, I know that... I should probably have brought the history of WKNO with me, Indeed. but I didn't. <laughs> That's all right. So um, I hope my bosses don't get mad if I mess this up. No pressure, Kaki. I mean, the, well, you know, the whole mission is to provide to provide unbiased, in-depth news and information to people in this community that they have access to for free. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be able to provide that service, but we also need to be able to pay National Public Radio to carry the programming that everybody loves, like Morning Edition and All Things Considered. And there are other shows like Fresh Air with Terry Gross and things like that that come from NPR. We have two other programming suppliers that bring us Marketplace and and different programs like that. Uh, But in the beginning, you got a lot of content for free, Mm. like well, Dr. Zorba Pastor on your health. <laughs> wow. Going down memory lane with that. But uh, anyway, the, as time went on, less and less things were um, free. Mm-hmm. And so you have to pay for it. And that's why we have pledge drives and fundraising. If you like this, you know, you just really need to step up and do your part if you can. But we want it to be something that everyone can access. Anybody with a radio 
anybody with a phone, anybody with a laptop or a desktop computer. We want to be there for everybody. And we know that a few people are sort of carrying the load for everybody else. If you can't pay, we get it. But if you can and you tune in, it's kind of your civic duty. Mm-hmm. If you if you want that news and information out there, and it's the most trusted source for news, that that's what all the polls are saying. So you can believe in it and you can trust it. And in these days of fake news and stuff, you know you're coming to a place and you're going to get accurate information. And that's the most important thing. We want to provide that service to everybody. And we want to have music available for people. And, I mean, just hearing from people who tell you how important it was to have that radio in the hospital room when their spouse was was going through health issues. It was like a lifeline having that music to provide comfort throughout the day, you know. And you hear from other people that tell you what that means to them and what WKNO means to their everyday lives. And it's really something Mm. when you think about what this means to people. And they're they're so earnest and it's so heartfelt when you hear how they use us, why they use us, why do they turn us on every day. It's a personal thing. I mean, and radio is the most personal medium. I mean, you know that. You're you're in somebody's ear every day. And it just, you develop such a close tie with people that way. I love just reaching out and talking to one person, mm. you know. It's so fascinating how, um, as a culture, we've, like, circled back to it. You know, I feel like radio is where it all began, and now we're like, it's a podcast. I'm like, no, it's actually just radio. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I feel like... Um, Especially over the pandemic, I I have friends and I'm glad I do. <laughs> but I love like, that you needed a public know, platform like, to, <laughs> to announce that. Um, yeah, caveat. Um, but it's so funny how you really feel like you have built a relationship with these people who are talking in your ear and you're like engaging in some kind of dialogue, even though it is one sided. So I've always felt like that about Kaki Walta. Oh, thanks. you are you're a Memphis institution. I'm, oh my lord in heaven! Really? I, I think so. <laughs> I believe so too. I so, just. Oh, go oh, ahead. No, well, I'm going to tell a story. This is funny. Um, so <laughs> this was, I mean, this is eons ago. Um, I was on the board of the Peace and Justice Center. I think I was in college. Like, this was many years ago. Um, and it was the first time I I knew who Kaki Walton was. I was, like, I was a listener. I was a fan. Um, and we invited you to, like, be the MC. Do you remember that? Yes. It was, like, our anniversary <laughs> dinner. I don't remember what the anniversary was. I just remember, I, I, I was there as a volunteer. And I was, like, waiting to, like, come say hello to you and introduce myself. And this man, this man, this is, like, pre-Twitter days. So this man, I'm sure, is on Twitter now. Um, he walked up to you and was like, Kaki, I'm a big fan. Really like your work. I wish that your voice wasn't so annoying, though. And, <gasps> and Kaki Walton, with just the absolute, oh, no. like, grace and charm, was like, well, thank you, sir. And I was like, look at the, like... <laughs> Uh, I do a not woman re- with more patience and kindness does than not exist. <laughs> oh my! See, I selectively chose to erase that memory. <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> I remember just being like completely guffawed, but oh also like, God. what? Like who? Tell me a voice you do like. Yeah, is that right? You're like, oh well, th- thank you for the feedback. Like, <laughs> thank you for the feedback. I'll just do nothing about that because my voice is my voice if i could go back in time i'm a stronger woman now but i would have had i, I would have stood up and said something like, please leave you can't talk to her like that <laughs> please leave anyway i'm sorry i interrupted your question Anna. no that that was yeah that, that was something um 
Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to Memphis? Yeah. Oh, yes, I can. <laughs> Thank you. I was in Clarkstown, Mississippi. I had lived in Florida and lived around, and my father got sick, and so I wanted to come home and be closer to my family. And so I was working for a little radio station in Clarksdale. But every Friday, I would open up the um, the M section or whatever it was called back then, the appeal section of the commercial appeal, and look at auditions mm. for, for theater. Mm-hmm. And so I did that one day, and I saw an audition for a show at Circuit Playhouse, and I thought, I can do that. I can do that role. And so I came up and auditioned and didn't tell anybody. I just came up and auditioned and I got the role and I went home and went, um, I'm in a show at Circuit Playhouse. And so I was commuting back and forth Ooh. from Clarksdale to yeah. Memphis for rehearsals and stuff. But my brother lived up here. So I ended up moving up here for good when the show started and lived with him until I got my own place. And so that's what got me here. I wanted to come to Memphis. I mean, I, there's something very quaint about small towns, you know, Gilbert, more girls kind of small towns. Mm-hmm. But I needed something. I needed to live in an urban area. And I needed access to, you know, theater and culture and museums and, and all the things that Memphis has. This this is always, the, the, this was the big city when I was a little kid. <laughs> so we drive up to the big city and I thought, no, I want to live in the big city. Yeah. And so I thought, I'm going to get there one way or another. And that show at Circuit Playhouse got me here to stay. What show was it? It you was know? West Memphis Mojo. Wow. Yep. I love it. Uh, so you touched on it a little bit, but what do you think, in your opinion, makes Memphis so unique and special? Oh, gosh. <laughs> the history. I mean, when you drive around and you drive past Sun and you just think, I know what happened in that building. Mm. It's the people. The people, too. That's it. We're quirky and we know we're quirky and we're proud of the quirky. We're oh, very wow. proud that that. We're so we're so idiosyncratic, and there's such interesting characters in Memphis, and I mean, with the history of the music and civil rights and all that, I mean, what a city! What a city! And I, we have soul, you know. When you get into the whole, I don't want to. I'm not dissing Nashville, but there's you know, there's the whole thing, Memphis, Nashville. They can't. You be- can you can diss Nashville on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we we'll allow it. Well, I'm sure it's quite lovely. I have visited a couple of times. But the vibe here is just different. I don't know. It's the, it's soulful. It's mm. soulful. And I just think it's the people and the culture. And I th- that's what makes Memphis what it is. Yeah, we, 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 we posed this question to Mark Fleischer, who was here earlier, um, talking about storyboard. And he, had, he, he very uh, astutely noted that this is why it's so hard to brand Memphis, like from a kind of traditional like advertising perspective, because it is... Um, it's ethereal what it is about yeah, yeah. actually is. this is so um i this is probably six or seven years ago they had done a bunch of research as the memphis brand initiative was coming to the city um and they were testing like you know memphis brand like phrases or mottos nationally and they came back it was a, it was a new york firm and they were presenting this information to a group of people um and they were sort of like a focus group and they were like, people we were like, grit and grind doesn't work. We shouldn't be using that. And what? everyone in the room goes, no, no. Like, sorry. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's crazy and stupid. And Well, they, they were like, if you hear the word grit and you're in, you know, Wisconsin, you think dirty. And you don't want your city to be dirty. We were like, we do. Actually. <laughs> we're like, no, we really want that. Actually, that's not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but no, you're absolutely right. The people are, are, are what's so special. So on, within um, all of the many hats that you wear over at WKNO, you host the checking in on the art segment, which is um, a highlight of my of my commutes or or my commutes around my uh, neighborhood as I just walk nowadays. Um, <laughs> tell us, how, how did that, have, have you always done that? I, I, for as long as I can remember, did you invent that little corner? Of- no, I think Charles Billings might have started mm. doing that way back in the day. That's got to be a fun part of the job to just. It is a fun as part. A, as a as an arts lover, I know um, you have, you're a big fan of a lot of the folks that you get to interview, but. Oh, man. How do you, uh, tell us just like, you know, as you think about what you're going to showcase and, and how you put that programming together. I mean, I, I, I was so terrified when they, because we, we had so many requests for interviews because we were only doing it in the morning. Mm. And so then when I started doing classical music in the afternoon, Daryl said, we're having to turn down so many people and that's not right and we need to add another segment in the afternoon can you do that and I thought I'm scared (laughs) I have my Laura Patrick Rob voice (laughs) I was so scared and all my friends and and my supportive family and everybody you can do this you can do this you're smart you can do it I was so terrified and sometimes it depends on who I'm talking to I'll be so nervous I'll be so super nervous so I I just I study I over prepare I mean I I just don't I turn over every rock because I want to be able to say that I've got all this information in my head because to me it's 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 rude not to be prepared for something like that and I'll have authors say wow you really read my book (laughs) and I'm like well of course I read your book it would be rude not to read your book and then interview you about your book and they said no people don't do that yeah people know and I just you know of course I'm gonna read the whole thing or of course I'm gonna listen to this whole album or of course I'm gonna go see this play or go see this art exhibit which is so great I mean I, I get to meet all these fascinating people and talk to them I know everybody in town. I've got my, and this is, oh, all right, I'll give you an example. So I had breast cancer in uh, 2010. And so, um, and I was fine. It was stage one. I wasn't worried about it. But, I mean, I had to go through radiation. Mm -hmm. And so that just, like, in in the middle of having radiation treatment, you are so tired and worn out. And my husband was sick at the same time. He since passed away, but we were both sick at the same time. People came out of the woodwork. I had playoffs on the square people leaving baskets of food for me on my front porch. And then I had my little pocket of musician friends coming by. Do you need anything? Can I clean your house? I mean, it was crazy. So all these little pockets of people that I know now because of my job are loving, caring friends of mine now. And I I mean, that was incredible. And it made me feel so fortunate that, that I knew all these wonderful people and that they cared enough about me to want to, to want to come see if if they could take care of me in some way. Mm-hmm. It was really something. That is really that's very. It's a very Memphis Kaki Walton story. I love that. And it's a Southern story. It is. It is. And that, it goes back to what you were saying earlier. How you, the connection that you're making with your guests and your listeners is really authentic. Um, and I think, you know, I, I know that most. Uh, I, I hope most. Um, 
major cities, mid-sized cities like Memphis, still have access to public radio and that that's something that we sustain. But I think it's really special that we still have local voices where it's not just a platform to hear the excellent program that you mentioned, all things considered, and Morning Edition and all of um, you know your fresh airs, those things that we all rely on. But to have these great local voices um, who are, you know, and one of the other things that I'm so impressed by is the tenure of the folks at WK. Now, you guys, you must be a great place to work because <laughs> people stay there for decades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you really do get to know these, you know, you feel like, you know, that Justin Willing was your friend. And <laughs> he knows you the way that, that you, yeah. So I think that's really lovely. And, um, you know, you, you've, you've done so much for the arts community. Um, so I'm sure everyone's looking for ways to give back. Yeah. Well, I'm... I love being able to do what I do, and I'm the luckiest person in the world. And, I mean, I majored in theater, and so I still get my theater fix, you know, mm-hmm. talking about plays or doing a Friday Live Lunch at Playhouse, which mm-hmm. is so much fun. I love those. But, yeah, and it shows people – because have you ever heard people say, well, I don't know, what's going on this weekend? Oh, there's nothing to do. Excuse me, do not ever tell me that there's nothing to do in Memphis. Yeah. On any given day, there's tons to do. You just have to learn where it's happening and that's one of the things we do go see this dance immersive dance project that mallory neely house you know i mean yeah there's always something happening and so that's what we want to do let people know what's going on so they can go out and become a part of it you know absolutely yeah um i wanted to touch on a little bit about how you said that you leave no stone unturned Uh in your research Uh and i have experienced this firsthand um in a few of my interviews with you, Kaki. Um, I have like come prepared to talk, and you have scooped me on all of the <laughs> details of our own events. And I'm like, well, shoot! Now, I, now I don't even know what I'm here to talk about because I'll go get a cup of coffee. I'm like, and- yeah, Kaki can talk about anything that we're talking about because you do. You know the ins and outs. You certainly prepare very well. Which again, to all of the authors that you said that you've read their books, I'm sure it's just shocking to walk into something and think, okay. And to know that you, it is, it, it's very exciting to know that you're as excited about the people that you're interviewing as like we are to be in your studio. And Aww. it's, it's really exciting. Um, I wanted to ask, and you touched on it earlier, Anna, about the importance of public broadcasting mm-hmm. and the importance of having local voices still be a part of our community in that way. What do you think is the impact of being able to one, have public broadcasting so accessible mm-hmm. And then two, continuing to make sure it's not just a national voice. Yeah. Oh, you know. See, this is the thing. Um, I hate to say it all comes down to money. I mean, we we do a lot with a little. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I would love it if we could expand our news department. We have one person, well, one and a half. (laughs) Usually, we have Christopher Blank, but then we'll have Katie Reardon, but she's in... uh, she went down to Portugal. She's in Portugal right now. But um, we got her for a little bit. She was working on her master's, and she wanted to do radio stories, and she was so good. Oh, my gosh. And so I really would love it if we could expand our news department so we could cover m- more of what's happening in the city. I mean, we, we do that right now, but I think we have the potential to do a lot more. But, you know, we have to have the money to hire those people. Absolutely, yeah. And so... That's why when we do pledge drives, I always say, you know, we're only as good as you make us. And so if you want to see us grow, if you want to be proud of your local public radio station, if you're able to, you you should support it because 
look at all of these things that are out there. Look how technology has changed since I started working there. They were still using turntables and, and digital audio tape and all this stuff, and now everything's digital, and I'm, I'm still using CDs that I can pick up with my hand because I'm, I'm old school that way. <laughs> but, but, yeah, that, that, I just see so much potential for growth, but, you know, you gotta, you got to have the money to be able to put in three more people on a news team or five more people on a news team. Yeah, so. something we say a lot here, Anna, that you say, like, uh, to put your money where your heart is Yes, in Memphis, and these things don't happen by accident. Like, all of these resources that are available in Memphis, they didn't just happen, and they don't just continue to happen, especially post-pandemic. Mm-hmm. They, um, they need funding. They need support. They need volunteers. They need um, any number of things to continue operating at their current capacity, and if not, grow. Yeah. And so I think that is the best way to say that is, you know, if you like something and it fills you with joy, then support it. Yeah. If you use something, that's, you know, I yeah. feel like, it, you know, if you find yourself wandering through Shelby Farms regularly, you better be making a donation. If you find yourself listening to WKNO regularly, you need to make a donation because that's mm-hmm. how those things stick around. And I, I totally agree. It's, you know, I, I we... I think that we as a community might take WKNO for granted. And I would implore people to think about what, how your life would change if it wasn't around um, for another 50 years. Like yeah. what, a, what an important milestone. I know. It's so exciting. I mean, 50 years. Wow. 50 years is a lot. It is. It's a, it's a lot of, a lot of uh, listeners who've been impacted over the years, a lot of artists that you guys have supported. I'm curious in your, not that you've been there for 50 years, but in your time, um, just talking about the arts community again, I, it seems from where I sit, which is a very uneducated, um, non-artist seat, um, <laughs> that the arts community has is really flourishing. Yes. Oh. So over the last, I mean, five or so years, just seeing lots of um, long storied organizations get reinvested and continue to expand, seeing lots of new arts and cultural organizations, um, not just popping up, but being supported and really being heralded. So I'm curious from your seat, how how have you seen the community change? What is this most exciting to you as you look around your arts friends and see what's coming up next for Memphis? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Ooh, that's a good question. I love seeing I love seeing arts organizations grow. I love seeing new organizations start, you know, from from nothing, from nothing, from one person mm-hmm. saying, let's do improv theater in the basement of you know first congo <laughs> and and then get the get the public involved in it and i mean just i love the ideas that people come up with and they make them happen they make them happen and that's what i love just somebody constantly thinking of a new way to to present something and we have so many people like that in this town it's crazy Look at all the, and I love that, I love when people come from other cities and choose to stay in Memphis. They adopt Memphis at their, as their home, you know. I've seen that over the years, too. Golly, with Tad Pearson coming from Kansas, and then he, he would call me on, on the phone at night. I met him when he was at P&H one night, and he would call me and go, you, I don't know, I'm thinking about do like getting these old cars that I've renovated and taking people on tours around Memphis and stuff. Do you think that would fly? You think that's a good idea? I'm like, that's why you need to come back here and so people might think this is a crazy idea but it's so crazy it just might work (laughs) so it's that hey kids let's put on a let's put on a show i can borrow dad's barn it's that kind of mentality you know coming up with an idea 
and just being crazy enough or having enough faith that you can make it happen and then it happens and i love seeing theater memphis with their new renovations i love everything that's happened with we now have a theater district in overton square you know thanks to jackie nichols vision Mm -hmm. and it's it's that kind of thing and hattie lou's doing so well i mean it's a destination place and now that we have the memphian hotel right there it's awesome and i love the fact that you can walk places Mm. I love the fact that Memphis, par- parts of Memphis, very, are, it's a walkable city, and that's important, too. I mean, I'm on that bandwagon big time. I want—I love leaving my house, and I can walk to a show at Playhouse and then walk down the street and go get something to eat and then walk home, you know? That's cool. That is, and it's unique. It is. <clears throat> okay, so, Khaki, yeah. now is the time of the show. Uh, it's a listener favorite. <laughs> It is called our lightning round. Oh Lord! We keep saying it's listener favorite. I think we're just like we're like this is your favorite, right? <laughs> no, it's, we, it's it's a it's an us favorite. I have I have received a few emails. Oh okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm not I'm not advertising this incorrectly. It is a listener favorite. Um. So this is just the first thing that pops into your head. Okay. It's not trivia. It's just your yeah, preference. Just you. Okay. Okay. Elvis or Jerry Lee? Oh man, Jerry Lee. Okay. Overton Park or the Green Line? Overton Park. Your favorite song or band? Oh, God. oh, now see. <laughs> I, tr- I tried to I tried to ease you into the hot water. Oh my God! My Just... favorite song or band? Okay, I'm gonna do first thing that that popped into mm-hmm. my head. Fantastic Planet of Love by Marshall Crenshaw. All right. Uh, Memphis Hidden Gem. Ooh, oh gosh, a Memphis Hidden Gem. Oh man, it doesn't have to be uh, that hidden. Like it, can, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it can be just somewhere that someone should go today or this week. Today or this week, I don't go out anymore because of COVID. I have to, <laughs> now, now I have to remember places that I like to go that are really fun. Wear your mask. Um, <laughs> golly, a hidden gem. Well, you know, I would say like someplace like Wild Bill's. I don't party like that anymore because <laughs> I don't believe that because I'm a grown second. up. But no, I. I, I do, but uh, yeah, I mean that's like an out of the way thing. Like you that's people, a good one. that I is would, a good one. Yeah, I mean I'd tell people when they would come visit, they're I'm gonna go down to Beale Street and blah blah. blah. I'm like, okay, do you want the real experience or the tourist experience? Because if you want the real experience, then if you don't go to Wild Bill's, you're crazy. <laughs> I love it. Okay, last one. What is something that made you smile this week? Oh, <laughs> I know. Um, the look on my dog's face when he realized that, I, that he realizes that I actually am going to take him for a walk. Precious. You get that little harness on him. Yeah. Because you've been, he's been, he's looking at you and you're like, I know, sweetie, we're going to go in just a minute, honey, I promise. And then when you put his harness on, he knows it's real. And so then he turns around and his face just lights up and he's got the biggest smile on his face. <laughs> and that makes me smile. My dog, Walter. I love can you share the quick story of Walter's name? Yes, I'd love to tell that story. It's a good story. Yes, it is. So my husband, before we were married, he took me on our first vacation, and we went to um, Arkansas. And we're driving in the country, and he put on the Kinks album, Village Green Preservation Society. And we were listening to that, and I didn't realize that it had all these great songs on it, like um, photo, what picture book taken but that. <laughs> and so this song came on called... Um, do you remember Walter? And I loved it. And Ray Davies wrote it about a, a friend of his when he was like in elementary school or something. Walter was me mate. And so I said, 
I said, okay, I don't know if we're going to have kids, but if we do, we're naming the kid Walter. I don't care if it's a girl or a boy, it's going to be Walter. And we probably won't have kids. So when we get a dog, <laughs> it's going to be Walter. And so that's how Walter got his name. That is precious. He's so my little sweet. man. I love it. He's going to be 12 years old next month, and I don't want him to, like, Walter's 12? I know. <laughs> Walter is also a, a Memphis institution if you go to the uh, the dog park, I am told. Yes. But, yeah. He's also not a little man. He's a, he's a big <laughs> like, fella. He's a big fella. He's a big fella. Yeah, he's, I don't take him to the dog park much anymore because I realized that all he would, would do would just be sit down. It's like, no, you're supposed to play with other dogs and interact and maybe chase after a ball. And he's like, no, nah, I just want to hang out with the people. <laughs> so when they told me that he had to lose weight, and so I said, all right, we're going to start walking every day because you need to lose the weight. So, yeah, that's what we do now. Sweet Walter. Yeah, sweet Walter. He's the best. And so and we have there are people in my neighborhood that will go, hey, because they hear me on the radio, is that Walter? <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, yeah, I, I, I really do mean that Walter is also a Memphis institution. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, and, I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, to dig a little deeper into you and your wonderful story. Aww. Well, listen, I hope I answered your public radio stories correctly. You did fabulously. <laughs> if anyone's listening is not supporting WKNO, go over to WKNO.org. Make a gift in honor of their 50th anniversary and in honor of the Memphis institution that is Khaki Walton. You guys. <laughs> Thank you. So good to you. see you, Khaki. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. Um, if you liked what you heard, we've got a couple of events coming up that I think are quite apropos, actually, to today's topics. On March 10th, uh, that is a Thursday evening, so, March yes. 10th. We're going to be over at MOSH. I'm going to use the uh, acronym. But uh, we're going to be doing our Memphis 101 presentation. This is, uh, if you're interested in storyboard and uh, creating context for your community, that's what Memphis 101 is all about. It's an interactive presentation um, that really reviews... The full scope of Memphis history brings you from um, the city's founding to where we are today. We believe at New Memphis that in order to build a brighter future for our city, we have to understand uh, and grapple with our past and be clear-eyed about the challenges that Memphis faces and understand how to pave a path forward. So very exciting. It sounds very um, earnest, but it actually is quite a bit of fun as well. So Memphis 101, March 10th. It's at 530 uh, in the evening. It's free, free, free. You can go to newmemphis.org to register. Fantastic for people that are new to town. If you have any friends who moved here over the last couple of years and want to better understand Memphis, this is the place to do it. Absolutely. And then one other uh, big event coming up, Anna, what's that? Yes, we have a Celebrate What's Right on March 29th, and this will be at a new location if you are a frequent uh, guest of our Celebrate What's Right series. This will be at the Hilton Memphis. We will have Paul Young of the Downtown Memphis Commission moderating this wonderful panel. I believe he was on last week's episode of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Look talking, at us being um, yeah. super timely. Um, and our panelists for this conversation um, about Memphis fiber and broadband networking and making sure that we can bridge the digital divide and become a smart city and all of that. And if you don't have any idea what that means, I would also encourage you to come to this event to learn a little bit more about how you can speak to the advancements in technology in our city. It's going to be great over lunch. So yes. we'll feed you and you can learn about how to build a better 
techn technological infrastructure for our city. Again, I don't know. Anna and I are on the same page here. Yeah. Where I'm like, I don't, I don't really understand it, but I know it's important. I know right. that uh, we've got a great panelists who really do understand what yes. they're talking about. Um, for me, fiber is a bowl of cereal, but thankfully it means something very different to Lisa Moore of Girls Inc., um, Andre Folks of Startco, and Doug McGowan, the COO of the City of Memphis. Excellent. Well, we hope to see you uh, at Memphis 101 or Celebrate What's Right or both. But until then, uh, Anna, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. All right, Memphis, we'll see you next week. Bye. This week's episode was made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.